This is the moment you've all been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back at it with another episode of Talking MMA. Yeah, this week, man, it's tough. You know, it's UFC 273. No surprise. Not too excited about it. You know, like, here's why. There's good fights on the card. I am excited about it. Let me paraphrase. Let me rephrase that. But not the greatest pay-per-view in my eyes because when I see the title fights, whether it's one fight, two fight, three title fights, like, I want to see a title fight that's good, that I don't, I genuinely don't know what's going to happen. Or maybe I could say, well, you know, there's a dominant champion, but, and I think he'll win, but this contender, you never know. It's on, like, this fight here, there's no unknowns here in these two main events. There's no, there's some weird similarities that I just don't like. And let's start it off. Shit, I'm sounding super negative here, but I'm excited about the card. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying overall, I think it's a good pay-per-view with the exception of the two title fights, which that's a big asterisk for me. You know, because I think the even like the prelims are good. It's a loaded up card. I like the fights that are, uh, I don't love them, but I, except for like the Hamza Burns one, obviously people's main event, quote unquote. But I don't, I don't love this card, I guess, overall, you know. So let's get right to it. Back to it. Val, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Korean Zombie, right? Look at this. A minus 720 favorite. Now, Alexander Volkanovsky is a guy who is clearly shown he is the either 1A or 1B of the featherweight division along with Max Holloway. And this is something that at, at this point I just want to see those two guys fight. Like I've seen everything with the exception of guys that still have to get a couple more wins. You know, so with the exception of guys like Bryce Mitchell and Arnold Allen, who still have to get a couple fights under their under their belt, obviously in that division to sort of prove it. Everyone else, it's been a revolving door. Whether they haven't directly fought for a title one way or another, we've seen matchups go certain ways where we could sort of figure out where this is going, right? Why would I say that? Alexander Volkanovsky never fought Korean Zombie, right? But a lot of people are already thinking about how this matchup's going to go and already have their opinion, and the odds makers certainly do at minus 720 based on, based on what? Because they never fought. But we're just taking the matchups in that top five, in that top seven, that revolving door matchups, and we're sort of pairing it together. Now, I know MMA math makes no sense a lot of times, right? So in that sense, it's something that anything could happen. You know, we obviously know that Korean Zombies got power. Could this be a lot better of a fight than people think? I could definitely see it. Um, I could almost even see this going to a decision. You know, I think Volkanovski is going to get the finish. You know, I think Volkanovski probably gets... Wears him down eventually. Volkanovski's pressure, I just think, is going to be too much for the Korean zombie. So I got to imagine that, you know, Volkanovski is able to walk him down, is able to put that pressure on him and wear him out through maybe three, four rounds. I think he finishes it around there. Would it shock me if the zombie goes a distance and it's a competitive five rounds, but a unanimous decision goes to the champion? No, it wouldn't. Uh, so, look, to say I'm not going to watch it, I think that's that's too much, right? But... I'm not crazy excited about it, you know? It's when you have a guy in a division that's the champion and he's supposed to fight someone that everyone knows he's supposed to fight. Now, granted, the fact that he's not fighting that guy, that guy being Max Holloway, the the fact that he's not fighting that guy, it's not his fault. It is what it is. Max had to pull out of the fight. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't this originally supposed to be Max and Volkanovski, the trilogy, originally? And then it ended up being this. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. So I get it, you know, and, and... well done on Volkanovski's end to just keep that alive and just not wait out for, like, the max fight. 
he's fighting the contenders. He's fighting them all, you know, come one, come all. So you got to give him credit for that. But overall, I can't blame anybody. It's just not a fun fight for me. It's not a fun fight. Obviously, Korean Zombie's going to take the title fight. But Korean Zombie's had his setbacks. You know, you look at the Yair Rodriguez fight where, I mean, he was winning. That probably should have gone his way, right? And that would have changed a lot of things. You know, it would have maybe swung some more momentum in his favor because one win at the, in the top five is just so impactful, so critical. But, again, like, you look at him, and what has he won? One fight in a row? He's on a one-fight win streak? And didn't he lose a couple before that, if I'm not mistaken? That's my thing with him. That's right, he did beat Edgar, No. Yeah, so he beat Ige. That's a good win for him. He beat Danny Ige. Lost to Ortega, but he got outclassed by Ortega. I think we could all agree on that. He beats Frankie Edgar, right? That was that early finish. He loses to Moicano. He's had setbacks. You look at other guys that are ranked in that division, like, let's say... Arnold Allen, back to that. Bryce Mitchell. Those are really the only guys that you look right now and say, oh, yeah, they haven't really had any setbacks, so I wouldn't really hesitate with them. But you still can't do it because they're not even in the top five either one, and they haven't even fought anyone in the top five really. So how can you do that, you know? You can't. So it's it's a weird situation. Does it make sense that they're doing it almost? Korean Zombie versus Volkanovski. If you actually look at the rankings by process of elimination, you know, just how it played out. Max was next. He got hurt. Whatever the case may be. It kind of does make sense because you're not going to give it to Yair, right? He lost. You're not going to give it to Brian Ortega. He just fought for the title and lost again for the second time. Max Holloway was the original one, right? So cancel him out. Calvin Cater got I, like, just dog-walked by Max Holloway a year ago. Granted, he did look really good against Giga, but still. And then, I mean, you get Bryce Mitchell, but he's not ready yet. It's not, it's too soon. You can't beat Edson Barboza, who's ranked, what, like, number 10 in the division at the time or something like that, and then just get a title shot. doesn't work that way. Arnold Allen beat a guy, and he's number six now, and I'm a big fan, and I think he would actually make more sense than a Bryce Mitchell, but Arnold Allen beat a guy who's not even in the division. At least not in the division anymore. He's probably back in it, but he was at 155 for some time, and he was unranked. So was it a good win? Yeah, I love Dan Hooker, but I'm just saying Arnold Allen needs to beat a Yair Rodriguez, a Brian Ortega, a Max Holloway, a Korean Zombie, a Calvin Cater at this point in time to get a title shot. Or maybe even a Josh Emmett, but he's ranked behind you. So... Again, this is a fight that I'm just talk I'm running you guys through all this because this is like the state of the featherweight division. This is why the UFC went for this fight. This is why this fight is happening. So it, I get it. I really I get it. But it doesn't mean I can't not be excited for it, you know? It doesn't mean that. There's no there's no reason. I would have loved to have the uh the Jan Sterling fight over it even as a main event, which I don't even love that fight if I'm being honest. But you know, I know the UFC doesn't like to do that. If it's like a higher weight class, they like to uh, sort of abide by that. The higher weight class goes higher on the card, especially if it's like title fights, something along those lines. Yeah, so we got Koreans, uh, Aljamain Sterling, rather, and Piotr Jan. Second fight, the first fight was a fight where Piotr Jan 
I'd say Aljamain Sterling probably won the first round. He won super early in the fight. He didn't dominate or anything, but I thought he won the first fight. Pretty close competitive round. Won the first round, not the fight. Won the first round, rather. And uh, Piotr Jan started just wearing him down. Put it on him in rounds two, three, four. And you saw it. You know, you saw the fight that it almost maybe not could have been finished a couple times, but Aljo was in some danger. And it was certainly wearing on him. Piotr Jan has a style that just wears on you throughout the fight. He's always going to be there. Always going to be there. And the fact that Aljamain Sterling even got around on him, which I think he did in that first fight, it, you know, it says, it doesn't say much to me because Piotr Jan's been willing to give up some early rounds. We saw like the Sandhagen fight where he gave up early rounds just to feel it out. But once he gets you, once he gets your timing, once he feels confident in the fight, it's Good night for you. Good night. Because, let's face it, it he's got to be the best Bantamweight on the planet, right? I mean, I don't think we're going to pick anybody else. I don't think that's disputable. You could say TJ Dillashaw, guys like that. But, I mean, to sit here and say that Aljamain Sterling is the best Bantamweight on the planet after the first fight against Piotr Jan, I don't think that's, I don't think it's a fair assessment, you know? I don't think it's a fair assessment to Jan. Is it fair to say Jan was an idiot for kneeing him in the head like that? Yes, that's fair to say. But... Nonetheless, you could still see who the better guy is. And, you know, what I want to see more than anything, I don't know about you guys, I really want to see Piotr Jan fight TJ Dillashaw. I think that's a big fight for the Bantamweight division. I think those are the two best guys on the planet in that weight class. So if Piotr Jan can get past Aljamain Sterling, which I think he should, uh, he was doing fairly well the first time around. And if you can have, you know, TJ Dillashaw get past maybe a Jose Aldo or maybe even wait out for a title shot because people are forgetting that he beat Sandhagen. He just hasn't been around. His name hasn't been in the hat because of the injury he sustained in the Sandhagen fight. But TJ comes back and Jan makes it out of this. That's a fight I want to see. That's a fight I, I want to see. You know, unlike the Volkanovski versus Korean zombie fight, like, I think that's just, to me, definitively, Volkanovski wins that. You know, again, yeah, it's MMA, four-ounce gloves, all that. I get it. I get it. But I think Volkanovski wins this going away. The odds makers, again, back that up. And then when we got Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan, right? It's a little closer. It's a little closer. So it's a little more interesting. Is it interesting? No. But it's more interesting, rather, than the Volkanovski versus Korean zombie fight. It just is. Um, So, again, I think that this is what's going to happen in the second fight. I think it'll be a carbon copy of the first fight. I really do. You know, Aljamain Sterling, the only success Aljamain Sterling is going to have is if he's able to get him on the ground and get to his back somehow. If he's on top of him on the ground or they're in some scramble on the ground or something, Aljamain Sterling can thrive in those situations. He's a very good jiu-jitsu practitioner. You know it. And, you know, clearly choked out Sandhagen uh, within like the first minute or two of the fight. It was ridiculous. He's dangerous. Aside from all the clowning and stuff, right? Because everybody hates him, of course, right? Because the guy, I think people's issue with him is when he was posting with the belt, right? That's what it was. So he's hated. But if you look all beyond that, look beyond the hate for a second, it's a guy who is a good fucking fighter. I mean, what 
what is he on, like a seven-fight win streak or something like that? Even take the Piotr Jan fight out of the equation. And look, he's 20 and 3. He's 20 and 3. So he won that DQ against Jan the first time around, right? He beat Sandhagen before that. Beat Munoz before that. Beat Sterling before that. Beat Stamen before that. That's a good one. Beat Johns before that. And then he lost to Marlon Marais December 9, 2017. But since then, technically, Aljamain Sterling has never lost a fight. And if you want to say he got his ass, he was getting his ass beat towards the end of the Piotrian fight, which I would agree to, take that out of the equation. He's still a bad man. You know, he's still one of the best guys in the world. He still is. So if this fight goes to the ground, Piotr Jan could be in some trouble. But again, based on what I saw, Piotr Jan was even winning the fucking... Well, he, he was winning the wrestling exchanges. That didn't surprise me. But even on the ground in some of the transitions and scrambles, I mean, Piotr Jan more than held his own against Aljo. More than held his own. So I don't know, man. It's not that interesting to me. It's more interesting than the main event. But... It's not that interesting to me overall. And now we go to the people's main event. The people's main event, quote unquote. I didn't make that up. That's the only reason I'm saying that I do agree with it, though. Just to clarify, it sounded a little um, contradicted, contradictory there. So we got Gilbert Burns versus Hamza Chimaev. Right? This is a fight that everyone's looking forward to. This is a fight that everyone wants to see. This is a fight that people are talking about. People are raving about and they want to see what Hamza Chimaev can do. Now, again, for the fifth fucking time, this is the people's main event, right? That's what they're labeling this as. I've seen the UFC label it as that. I've seen Ariel Hawani label it as that. I've seen many other people label it as that across platforms like Twitter, other social media platforms, whatever the case may be. So... Just think about this. If it's the people's main event, just how big of a star is Hamzat? Pretty fucking huge. Because let's be honest, like how much of how much does Gilbert Burns contribute to this being the people's main event? That big of a fight, the most coveted and anticipated fight on the card. How does Gilbert Burns tie into the fold? Does Gilbert even get forty percent of the credit? 30, does Gilbert even get 20% of the fucking credit for this? It almost seems like Hamza is obviously pushing this, right? He's pushing this fight, and everyone wants to see it because it's like the Conor McGregor effect, right? Which is a terrible comparison in terms of, like, skill and all that. I just mean it in this way specifically. Conor was a beast, right? But Conor could fight a tomato can and sell one and a half million pay-per-views. But the difference is... The better the opponent Connor fought, the more the pay-per-view still went up. At the end of the day, you still need a good dance partner. So Hamzat is a big star. Definitely a big star. But he's got his dance partner now. No one can talk shit. No one can say, oh, he fought the number 11 ranked guy in the league. who was a very good opponent. But he's still number 11. He fought an unranked guy. He fought this guy out of the UFC, this, that, and the other. He's fighting the number two ranked guy in the world. He's fighting a guy who dropped the pound-for-pound king. He's fighting a bad man, the guy who just beat Wonderboy Thompson, who just solved that puzzle. So, this is a tough matchup for Hamza Chimaev. It's going to tell us everything we need to know about him. Is he going to face adversity? 
I don't know. But if he doesn't face adversity, isn't that terrifying? Because, I mean, Gilbert Burns is good. He's no slouch. Even if he loses a fight, he's going to get his. He's going to get a little bit in there somehow. Even against Kamaru, dropped him to a knee before he got finished pretty early. But still, he had his moments. Is Hamzak just going to steamroll this guy? And if Hamza does steamroll this guy, like, what can we say? What can we say? You can't say anything. There's nothing to be said at that point. Except line this guy up for the title fight. Now, a lot of people are going to disagree and they're going to say, yeah, the Leon Edwards fight's book, this, that, and the other. And I've heard it from people. And I get that. But tell me, riddle me this. When has Dana White ever said something, set it in stone, and it doesn't end up happening? When has it ever happened? Uh, yeah, it has happened. Dana said shit before that was never going to happen, and it happened. Dana said shit, something that was going to happen, and then it falls off and doesn't happen. Dana said a lot of crazy shit. So for Dana coming out and saying Leon Edwards is going to fight for the title, it's clear cut, or the UFC, I'm not buying it. And I'll tell you the number one reason that is going to pump this shit up if Hamzat wins. I don't know if uh, Kamara Usman is in the corner or not. If he is, holy shit, that fight's definitely going to be next. But let's just say he's not even in the corner. Hamzat takes the mic. Hamzat smashes Gilbert Burns, rather. Takes the mic and says, I just smashed your boy who dropped you. I just smashed your boy who you've been training to fight me. Let's go. I'm going to smash you next. I'll kill you. Whatever. You know he always says, I kill you. (laughs) But, yeah, I think that's what happens. So, yeah, I do think that's what happens. I think I think Hamzat smashes him, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Like, I'm laying that out there, but that's actually what I think is going to happen. And so, when that happens, how can you possibly deny Hamzat Shemaev of a title shot? And a lot of people, a lot of diehard fans aren't going to like this, right? But here's the deal, guys. Let's pull up how many followers Hamzat Chimaev has. Versus Leon Edwards. Hamzat Chimaev, 3.4 million followers. Let's just confirm that, that it's updated. That's on Instagram. Let's check out Leon Edwards on Instagram. See how many followers he's got. Two hundred and fifty-two thousand followers. Hamza Chimaev smashes Gilbert Burns. Hamza Chimaev grabs the mic and he says, "Kamar Usman, I just smashed your boy who dropped you. I just smashed your boy." who you've been training to beat me. Now I'm going to smash you. If you're the UFC and a guy with that following, with that buzz, a guy with 
3.4 million followers in comparison to Leon Edwards, 250,000. If you, you're telling me that Hamzat does that and Leon is fighting for the title next when that fight hasn't even been booked yet, I don't agree with you. And for any Leon Edwards fans out there, just, you know, stick with it. You know, like, stay tough because I don't know what's going to happen, but just be positive. You might lose your title shot here, guys. For the UK fans out there, love you guys, but, man, your boy might get shit out of a title shot. And I've said this on multiple occasions on this show. I've said it before. Now let's talk about inside the octagon, Hamza Chimaya versus Gilbert Burns. I think Hamzat's got the striking advantage. He's got the power advantage. We've seen him put motherfuckers out. We've seen him. We've seen him. We've seen a good boxing display from Hamzat Chimaev. We know he's got the length. He's a way longer guy. He's a taller guy. He's a probably a stronger guy. Now let's transition to the wrestling advantage. Who are you giving the edge to in the wrestling advantage? I'm giving it to Hamzat. The only place where I'm given the advantage to is in the jiu-jitsu department for Gilbert Burns. But I don't even know that. I don't even know. So there's two aspects of the fight where I think Hamzat definitely is better than and would win and dominate him. The third one, I just don't know. That's a problem for me. That, to me, spells domination. I think Gilbert's a tough guy. I think Hamza Chimaev wins by a finish in round two. I think he chokes him out. I think he ends up getting him on the ground and choking him out, gets his back somehow. Now, I know Gilbert Burns is a better... Again, I don't even know that. But I guess Gilbert Burns is a more qualified, credentialed jiu-jitsu practitioner than Hamza Chimaev, right? We could say that. But I think Hamza's wrestling and his ground and pound and his ferocity is just going to get him to a point where he's going to be on Gilbert's back. He's going to have Gilbert's back. And I think he finishes it with a rear naked. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Round two. I think, Gil, you know, Hamzat's never seen the third round of a fight. Never seen the third round of a fight. And for a reason. He's, a, he's an absolute monster, right? Um, but I think this fight, Gilbert at least is tough enough where he'll take it into the second round. <laughs> like, I'm talking about this guy like it's like he's Thanos, you know? Like, it's funny because... Gilbert Burns is is a tough guy. He's a tough... Gilbert Burns is Gilbert Burns, right? And it, it's crazy to me that now there's this guy that I'm thinking is just going to run through the number two guy in the division. Like, it's crazy, man. But that's how good Hamzad is, man. I've been saying this since day one, since episode one. You could check that out. Hamzad is a real deal. And I'm not alone here. I'm not standing, you know, on an island, you know, a lot of people agree with me. And whoever's not on board, I think, should probably get on board real soon or they're just going to be disappointed because he's going to keep winning. If he fights Usman, which I would, I don't know. I think that'll be next. If he fights Usman, definitely going to be Usman's biggest challenge ever, I think. Uh, now, that's a lot. says a lot because you got Colby Covington, right? But I don't know. And that's a fight, too, you know? If Hamza could beat Gilbert Burns, I'd love to see Hamza versus Colby, 
for a number one. That's a true number one contender fight. Because think about this. Colby is a guy who was competitive through 10 rounds with Kamaru Usman. Right? You could say that. Very competitive. If he goes out and beats Masvidal, dominates him, and he goes out and beats the boogeyman that no one wants to face, can you really deny Covington a title shot at that point? Just a thought. So moving down the card, we got Mackenzie Dern versus uh, Tisha Torres. Now, you talk about ferocious. Tisha Torres is ferocious. You know, she brings the fight all the time. Like, the nickname matches it. Fits the description, the tiny tornado. Because she brings it. She's a, she's a little, she's a ball of fire. And you got to think she's got the advantage in the kickboxing. Mackenzie's nothing to write home about in the striking, you know. Tisha's and Tisha also does a good job of mixing it up. She mixes up the kicks, she mixes up the punches very good from both from both sides. Right hand, left hand, left kick, right kick. She's a very well-rounded fighter in terms of stand-up. But what's gonna happen when Mackenzie takes her back? What's gonna happen when Mackenzie gets a hold of her and is able to trip her up or whatever the case may be? Cause I do think that's gonna happen that's what's going to happen in this fight. Uh, I think it's gonna be a tough outing for Tisha Torres. Mackenzie on the ground is very good. And when you talk about the striking, again, she really is nothing to write home about, but she's getting better. You look at her last few fights, she's getting better. Now, what's Tisha Torres going to do in this fight in terms of the takedown defense? She's got to be drilling the takedown defense in this camp because we know where Mackenzie Dern's going to want to take this fight. We know that the path to victory for Mackenzie Dern is on the ground in a submission Something along those lines. We know that the jujitsu that the jujitsu is a strong suit for Mackenzie Dern. So you gotta believe she's gonna want to take that to the ground. You gotta believe Tisha's gonna want to keep that standing. Now Tisha, from what I've seen in her last few fights or so, she's she moves very well. She moves very well side to side. She's very good at circling the octagon. Very good at creating space when she's in danger or just create or just creating that space in a fight and keeping the opponent at bay. But this is a fight where you're definitely going to want to do that more than ever. You're definitely going to want to use that movement and not let McKenzie get close to your legs. And McKenzie doesn't have great wrestling. We saw her struggle a little bit in the last fight. She didn't look too great in the wrestling. You know, she got a couple of her takedown stuff if you go back and watch that. But once she does get you to the ground, once she is able to get on top of you, on your back, you're going to be in trouble. Most girls in that division are going to be in trouble. And Tisha, you can't say she's got the advantage. She's be, she'd, she'd be in a very compromising situation if this fight were to get to the ground. And I think this fight is eventually going to get to the ground. I don't envision Tisha just walking her down or just being able to, to, to walk out of danger. Now, the problem is this. For Tisha to really impose her will and do what she has to do to almost win the fight, she's going to have to be prone or willing to be open to accepting a takedown. Can she get up if she gets taken down? It's tough. It's tough to say. I think Mackenzie Dern wins that fight. I think Mackenzie Dern wins via round two submission, just like Hamza Chimaev. Yeah. So, so far, I've got Alexander Volkanovsky. Al just kidding. Piotr Jan. Hamza Chimaev, of course. I got Mackenzie Dern, again, uh, second round submission. And then we got the first fight on the card, which, you know, 
respect to both guys. I thought based on a couple of fights that I've seen on the prelims, at least maybe at least a few, that those would probably be the 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 first fight on the main card over the uh, Vince Pichel, uh, Pichel versus uh, Mark Madsen fight. But, hey, it is what it is. Mark Madsen, a guy who's undefeated, right? He's a tough guy. Um, hasn't really seen much adversity in his career. And he's going in there against a guy who's another very tough guy. Against a guy who very good as of late. You know, Pichel's good. And when and if this fight gets to the ground, Pichel's got very good submissions. Very good submissions. So this is going to be... It's going to be a test for Mark Madsen. When you look at what he's done, his body of work, you can't deny it. And if he keeps winning, you know, you're going to want to get him in there with a ranked guy soon. So this is going to be a big fight. This is a... It's going to be something that's fun to kick off the main card. You know, it, it's kind of hard to call, if I'm being honest. Just because based on what I've seen from from Pichel, Madsen, I haven't seen much of him, but I know he's undefeated. So it's tough. Hmm. I'm going to go Madsen. I'm going to have to go Madsen. So that's my main card picks. So if you're a fan of the podcast, if you follow the podcast, you know that for every pay-per-view main card, just the pay-per-views, just the main cards, we do the fight picks. I'm 10-1 and one on that shit. Now, we did include UFC London to the fold, which I did mention before and after, but that's because UFC London had like the pay-per-view feel, you know, such a stacked card that I might as well have done it, you know? Couldn't resist myself. So right now, it is 10 and 1. 10 fights called, one fight lost. That one fight was... It was a female fight. I forgot what it was, but it kind of fucked me up. Ah, it was a Molly McCann fight. I should have bet... I, I should have bet on Molly McCann. I didn't. That's on me. So yeah, if you look at the rest of the card, it's not bad. Ian Gary versus Darian Weeks. That is a good fight. That's a fun fight. You got to think Ian Gary wins that one, right? Ian Gary's... Phew. Ian Gary brings it. Aspen Ladd versus Raquel Pennington. That's a fun fight. Number four versus number seven. Mickey Gall back in action versus Mike Mallott. I mean, hey, Mike Mallett. If I pronounced that wrong, I'm sorry. This is your debut, sir. So I'm not too familiar with you. I know you are 1-0 as it says here. Let's look at Mickey Gall, because Mickey Gall is a guy who, out of New Jersey, so hey, if anyone out there from New Jersey, fuck yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I will root for you. But Mickey Gall, I've rooted for him, man, for so long. He's let me down a couple times. If you're a Mickey Gall fan and you remember the Sage North Cup fight, they were riding high at that point, right? Like, we were riding high. What was he, like 3-0, and 4-0, and and he was looking really good. And, things, and it was looking like Mickey Gall was going to be a star. He could talk shit on the mic. He could do his thing, and then things just went bad. So, but when you look early at his career, I mean, you know, his first two wins in the UFC were against CM Punk and Mike Jackson, right? I mean, that's nothing to write home about. But, again, you blame him for taking those fights, like especially the Punk fight. Like, if they're going to put more money in my pocket to beat a bum, a wrestler, no disrespect to CM Punk, that's what I'm going to do. Sage North covers Mickey Gall. This is a fight that a lot of people had... Uh, Sage coming in there to win. You know, a lot of people wanted Sage. A lot of people had Sage winning. I'm sure the UFC envisioned Sage winning that fight. They were trying to build up that young fighter. And Mickey Gall, another good young fighter, 
Mickey Gall beat him. He beat Brown, or did he lose to Brown? How did this go? See, the UFC, if I said one, or if I said like one fight wrong, I apologize because the UFC's website is all kinds of fucking retarded, if I'm being honest. Nonetheless, it's been a tough road for Mickey Gall. It, it just has. UFC, you need to fix your fucking website. This is just ridiculous. It's been a tough, it's been a tough road for Mickey Gall, though, nonetheless. And um, yeah, man. He's not what I envisioned coming out. He's not what I'm sure he's let a lot of fans down, but I just I can only hope that similar to a guy like a Bobby Green or like some guys that have taken their licks and been able to rise back, I can only hope that the same happens to him. You know, that he could learn and adapt and Here's the one thing that's good about him. So there's a lot of advantages and there's a lot of disadvantages coming into the UFC. Maybe when you're not ready to. You know, the disadvantages are you're going to face guys that are better than you in at least one department you're going to lose. The advantages are you're going to gain a shit ton of experience. Because if you're fighting the best guys in the world, even if you're losing, that's a lot to correct. What do you really learn from in a win? It's like what Faraz Zahabi said. You go in and you knock a guy out, something along those lines. He said, you win a fight. What do you What do you really, what do you learn? You learn in the losses. And I just hope the same can be applied for Mickey Gall. So this is a fun card, no matter how you want to spin it. I mean, it's a good card from top to bottom. My issue with it is just the two title fights. I don't love them. I, I just don't. But hey, that's just me. I think Alexio Linick is on the card. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's on the early prelims. Even the early prelims are pretty good on this thing. Yeah, Alexio Linick versus Vandera. Vandera. So it's a good card. All right, let's get into some MMA news now. So we got... Car Jitsu sees grappler compete inside a vehicle on Icy Lake. What is this? Nothing to write home about, I guess. Hamza Ch- uh, Gilbert Burns says, there's nothing special about Hamza Chimaev. I don't see a monster. Interesting. I mean, if you're going to go in there and face Hamza, you got to have that mindset, right? If you're going to do this, you got to fully believe you can beat him. I'm sure, well, I don't know. Because Kamzat's terrifying, and I wouldn't feel that way, but I'm sure Gilbert thinks that he's going to win the fight. I would hope, or else he ain't winning the fight. Marcin Tybura falls ill. UFC 273 fight with Rosenstrike canceled. Now, this is something I wanted to talk about because I was a little confused. I had seen some people talking throughout the week about the Marcin Tybura fight versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike, and I went today to look into the card. I didn't see it anywhere, so I was like, oh, no, what happened? Did it get pulled? So I guess that's what happened. That would have been a fun fight, you know? That would have been a fun one. I think, you know, obviously Ty Burrow would have wanted that one to the ground. Rosenstrike's got the power in his hands, would have wanted to keep that going. Rosenstrike tweets at him, get well soon. So, all good, you know. No no beef there. Reschedule the fight, there you go. I mean, if he fell ill, what did he have? Does it say what he had? Nope. I guess not. Just says he fell ill. Hamza Chimaev slams table during fiery exchange with Gilbert Burns at UFC 273 presser. 
Did you guys see that yesterday? I'm a fan of Hamza. It almost felt not. I, yeah, I guess forced because it's. I don't know if you saw it, but the the first shots that Hamza took at Gilbert kind of came out of nowhere. It was weird. Like it was all good and cordial. They had that exchange in their towels cutting weight the day before. And then Hamza just starts talking shit like crazy all of a sudden when the cameras are on him. So I don't know. I think I like Hamza, but I hope that this comes off as authentic to people. I hope it's authentic for him because I don't want him to just think he has to be Conor McGregor and like start talking shit and all that. Like you're good enough to fight. You yourself are a good enough fighter where you don't have to talk shit, dude. Like you sell yourself. You have 3.4 million followers, not because people like your press conference highlights. People like you in the ring. People like the shit you talk in the ring. And I just hope that it's genuine if you are shit talking like that. Now, you saw the the embedded video for UFC 273. Just the press conference overall. The embedded obviously gives you a deeper look into it. But the, the press conference for UFC 273, you saw Aljo try to face off with um, with Piotr Jan, and they had to be separated. And what enticed that, I think, is Volkanovski said, I know we're not allowed to face off, but I want to do it for Volkanov with Korean Zombie just for the people. And that enticed Aljo to be like, yo, Jan, let's face off, whatever. Had to be separated. And, yeah, I just... I just hope whatever Aljamain Sterling is doing... I hope he wins the fight. Because he's talking a lot of shit. He's trolling a lot. Um, He's coming in with the helmet. With the Jaguars helmet. And... (coughs) I think he's getting under his skin. Under uh, Jan's skin, and not in a good way for Aljo. I just think Jan's getting irritated and wants to fucking knock his head off earlier. I don't know. So, did I get my pick for the Jan fight specifically? How that was going to happen? I don't think I did, but I do envision Jan probably. I gotta say, Jan finishes him this time around because I felt like we were trending towards a finish in the last one. But with that being said, it's ironic because everything happening for Aljamain, I just hope he gets the he gets it done. I hope he gets the W. He's going to need it. He's going to fucking need it, guys. Because the trolling, everything, everything he said about how the first fight was a fluke and how he was able to just, to do what he did at like 50% or he wasn't himself. You better get it done, Aljo. You better get that shit done because everyone is watching you now. You're on a big stage. This is, a, I guess, a big fight. Um, yeah. Darren Till on Hamza Chimaev and fighter mentality ahead of UFC 273. You'd be a fool to say he's not nervous. Really? This is interesting. They're both phenomenal athletes, Darren Till says, about the Gilbert Burns Hamza Chimaev fight. This sport, what we do, Kamar Usman, he posted something the other day that hit home with me and a lot, I'm sure, and a lot of other people. 99% of the world don't know what it's like to be under the those lights and face adversity and fear for myself as well. I don't want to talk a lot about excuses, but in the past, what I faced, people don't know the half of it. And to stand in front of that, the fear and the adversity is just something. And I think a lot of what Darren's saying here ties into why, if you remember that whole Stephen A. Smith incident, when he said Cowboys were only quit in the Conor McGregor fight, and a lot of people gave him all that backlash. And it's a situation that just turned from bad to worse real quick. The reason why it spiraled so much is because it's a lot of what Darren still saying. Like these guys, are putting it out there on the line. They're fighting in four-ounce gloves and their underwear in front of the world, these guys and girls. And they're they're doing with a, a walk to an octagon that a lot of people would not make. 
a very small percentile of human beings would wake. So it has to be respected. And when you disrespect that, there's going to be repercussions. And I like the fighters that do respect that, as that aspect of the game, that mentality. Alexander Volkanovsky def demands presser face-off with the Korean zombie. Rips off shirt. I didn't see him rip his shirt off. That's interesting. But, yeah, that's what prompted the... Uh, not interesting, but you get the point. I didn't see it. <laughs> but, that get, but that's what prompted the Aljamain Sterling versus Piotr Jan thing, so... Luke Rockhold to Paulo Costa. You're just a bitch and you're on steroids. No, you're just a bitch and your steroids aren't working anymore. So Luke Rockhold talks shit about Paulo Costa. He goes, so within all these rules, it's like, all right, you don't want to make weight. You want to make all these excuses. You're just a fucking bitch when it comes down to it. And your steroids aren't working anymore. The Rockhold said in the MMA hour, you got caught up and you're looking for a way out. He's always needed assistance in whatever way. It's obvious. So fucking show up. Show out. Hey, he's not wrong. I mean, Paulo Costa has been in the media and the news for a lot of the wrong reasons. If you want to see an interesting reason, check it. Check out my uh, interview this week that I had um, with Joshua Fabia, where we talked a little bit about what happened on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi the night before, where he was clowning about the wine scenario. Am I saying I believe it? Am I saying it's a hundred percent all true? No, but. It's worth a listen. Now, I kind of want to say something real quick about that. Had a lot of people say, you know, why bring, you know, a certain guest that I had interviewed on in the last in the the last episode or in one of my past videos. And this is the thing, guys, is I'm not I'm not agreeing with the guy. I'm not siding with the guy. I'm just trying to get a story. I'm trying to get stories out there. I'm trying to entertain you guys one way or another. You know, so the things Joshua Fabia was saying, you know, a lot of the stuff, whether I agree with it or I don't agree with it, is irrelevant. I'm not siding with anyone. I'm not siding with anyone or I'm not or I'm not disagreeing necessarily with anyone that I get on the show or anyone that I will have on the show in the future. You know what I mean? It's just to get stories. It's all about the experience. Insight that maybe a common fan like myself doesn't have. So Paulo Costa fires back at Luke Rockhold saying he's a bitch. And Paulo Costa puts Luke Rockhold, too old, retired fighter, out of the fucking ranking. Shut up, fragile chin. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I laugh because Paulo Costa kind of does have a fragile chin. I mean, Luke Rockhold kind of does have a fragile chin, you know, kind of. No offense to you, Luke, but... We've seen you get starched a few times in, the, in your last few outings, my friend. But that'd be a fun fight. I actually think Luke Rockhold could win that fight. You know, in the grappling, Luke Rockhold has a superior, superior advantage. So, but I think Costa could starch him too, just like the other guys have. So, it's it's all possible there. That'd be a fun fight. Luke Rockhold versus Paulo Costa is a fun fight. Where both guys are right now, just make that fight. It's a fun fight. Luke Rockhold gets a win. He's more of a known name. If he gets a win, you could leapfrog him back into that top five almost. Top six. And he's in business. Hamzat Chimaev and Darren Till's first interview. It's Team Smash Bros for life. The Smash Bros thing is fucking hilarious. 
you know, how all the Russians say I smashed this guy instead of smashed, you know, the accent. I love it. Uh, this ro- this uh, bromance has been awesome for MMA and just for just content, for enjoyment, to put a smile on people's faces. So I'm all for it. Um, it's funny when they keep asking Dana White about it, and Dana's like, what do you want me to say about it? Like, I'm happy for them? Like, I don't, I don't understand. It's so funny. But it's because I just think it's because it's so funny for fans, for the hardcore, and the people who really know both guys, like, it's an interesting clash that these two guys were able to get together and be friends. It's just, it's an interesting clash of personalities. Conor McGregor faces six charges for alleged driving dangerous incident in March. For alleged dangerous driving incident in March. Yeah, Conor's got to chill out, man. This was in March, this was a month ago. I never knew what happened with this Conor McGregor incident in March, the whole uh, driving thing. So let's talk about, let's get into, let's see what happened. I don't know exactly what happened with the whole thing with Conor in the car. Mr. McGregor, on March 23rd, McGregor's representative, Karen Kessler, released the following statement to MMA Fighting. Mr. McGregor was driving to the gym when he was stopped by Gorday, was that an officer, I guess, for alleged road traffic violations. He passed a drug and alcohol test taken at the station. McGregor, 33, was re- was remanded on bail and is currently scheduled to return to court in June. He reportedly made no statement in court, but afterwards said to reporters when asked to commit to comment, just straight back into training, my man. Conor McGregor has been charged earlier today with two counts of dangerous driving, no insurance, failing to produce insurance, and having no license. I love what you put, no insurance, Failing to produce insurance. Isn't that the same thing? <laughs> and having no license. Uh, I mean, that's going to get you. Especially if you're an asshole about it, which I'm not saying he was or wasn't. Anderson Silva set to box Bruno Machado in eight-round exhibition match in Dubai. Wow, I did not know this. So Anderson the Spider Silva is coming back in Dubai against Bruno Machado. Eight-round exhibition, so it's not a, an official fight, I guess. It's not a professional fight. It's an exhibition. Anderson's 46. Silva, 46, defeated Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and Tito Ortiz in the boxing ring in 2021. It was Tito won. We know Tito's not a great boxer, but... The uh, Tito's not even a good boxer, hell. But the Chavez Jr. one shocked me. I mean, Chavez Jr. ain't no boxing like goat or anything, but very good boxer. The guy was very good for a long time. His father, we know what kind of family bloodline he comes from. So Anderson might be in the conversation for one of the best for one of the best combat athletes of all time. I think Dana said it a long time ago. He's like Anderson might be one of the best combat athletes of all time, and. I might agree with you. I might agree with you on that, Dana. If you guys hear me shaking a little bit, it's a little cold in this room. I'm sorry. Seem to have put the the air on a little too much, and I don't want to walk back downstairs and stop. Aljamain Sterling responds to Piotr Jan's threats of hotel brawl. I'll give you my room number. I heard there was an altercation between Jan and Sterling in the hotel. Was it before or after the press conference? And then they had that altercation at the press conference. Listen, I mean, this is getting heated. It's some bad blood, but 
stylistically in the octagon, it's just not a fight I'm too excited about, guys. That's just what it boils down to for me. Patricio Pitbull, cross-promotion is MMA's next step, but Dana White afraid to see champions lose. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I just think Dana... UFC's his baby. You know, he's built the UFC up from the start. Him, Hunter, Lorenzo. And, um, you know, to kind of start doing that, it almost takes away from what you built in the UFC, in my opinion. Like, if I'm putting on the best shows in the world already, I don't, why would I have to bring in other people? And then it just opens up a whole door. No. Like, when people talk about MMA, they say UFC, right? That's what most casuals do, right? That's the fucking goal for Dana White to do. You know, people watch the NFL. They ain't watching football in general. NBA, they ain't watching European basketball, at least not here. And in most parts of the world, except for that actual country. So Dana's done a good job in doing that. I don't think that's why. But unfortunately for us, for the fans, yeah, cross-promotion would be great because who the fuck wouldn't love to see, like in Israel, Adesanya fight, not Michael Venom Page, but like obviously different weight classes. Michael Venom Page is 170, but like a Wonder Boy Thompson versus like Michael Venom Page, some shit like that. It'd be fun, real fun. How about DJ versus, how about like DJ versus Davison Figueredo? Or maybe we can do DJ and Dillashaw now finally, you know, things like that. But again, I get why Dana wouldn't want that to happen. I get it. Tatiana Suarez feels Carlos Sparza doesn't have the strength to beat Rose Namajunas. I summer return. I hope to see Tatiana Suarez back. Uh, she's a stud. If anybody who watches this show knows that I've been banging this table for Tatiana Suarez to come back and to show everyone that she's still one of the two, three baddest women in that division in a division of killers. And on that note, we're going to call it a day. Follow us on all platforms. Talking MMA, we are on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, Anchor FM, and of course, YouTube. While you're here, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. We'll see you next time.